who among us doesn't enjoy a good mystery? And especially when solving it means that I get to bring out my competitive side, even if it's just me against the clock, I just can't wait to uncover all the secrets. So June's Journey is a game that is completely up my alley, and I think you'll love it too. In June's Journey, a hidden object mystery game, you play as June Parker, who's on a quest to solve her sister's murder and uncover her family's many secrets. Each chapter brings you deeper into the story, and it's set in the Roaring Twenties, so beyond uncovering clues, you get to experience the glitz and glamour of the time. June's Journey is definitely not a game I play mindlessly, which I love because I get genuinely invested and a lot of it is a race against time, so there's a little fun added pressure of trying to find the clues as quickly as you can in each scene. There are also tons of ways to customize the island that you're on, learn more about the characters, and then new chapters are added weekly, so you really can't run out of things to explore. So if you think you're up to solve this case, download June's Journey for free today on iOS or Android or play on PC through Facebook games. June needs your help, detective. This episode is brought to you by Paramount Plus. Get in, loser! Mean Girls is now streaming on Paramount Plus. Join Katie Heron as she meets the plastics and Tina Fey's new twist on the modern classic. Get ready for more of the rumors, backstabbing, and jokes you loved from the original movie with some fetch surprises. Rated PG 13. Wear pink and head to ParamountPlus.com to try it free. Hi, I'm Keegan. And I'm Madigan. And you're listening to Your, Your Angry, Angry Neighborhood, Neighborhood Feminist. Feminist. This is a podcast where we explore the world through our own personal feminist perspectives. I hope this episode sounds better than our previous news episode. (laughs) We do have our new recording set up kind of together. It's not completely soundproofed yet, but we got some new fancy microphones. Yeah. So I hope you can hear um, better sound quality. And Keegan and I are like six feet apart from each other. Yes. Listen, it's not a perfect (laughs) system right now. We're using my like writing desk. We're like on opposite ends of my writing desk. I mean, hey, it it works great. It just like I'm so used to being like on top of you that being this far away from you. I'm like, hi over there. Hey, from across (laughs) the pond. Yeah. Oh, man. Well, what what should we get started with today? Well, everything I have is terrible. So, okay, I have one terrible thing and I have one positive thing to end the episode with. I finally did notes on the condo collapse. Oh, gosh. Uh, I've been seeing headlines about that. I have not been reading them uh, except to see that. I think the number is at like 95 deaths now or something like that. Yeah, it was 94 when I did my notes, but I believe it's 95 now, I've been kind of doing the same where I've been doing a lot of like headline reading because it is it's really, really heavy and it's a lot. It's very it's a lot of very senseless death. You know, it's really incredibly sad, but we haven't talked about it yet on the show. Uh, should I get us started with that? Yes, please. OK, so let's go back a few weeks to June 24th, 2021 at approximately 1 p.m. Eastern time at the Champlain Towers South, which was a 12-story beachfront condo complex in the Miami suburb of Surfside, partially collapsed. As of July 13th, when I took these notes, uh, which I think the number is still the same, a total of 95 lives have been lost in this disaster, making it one of the deadliest collapses in American history. Um and this is this I don't think there was any deaths. And if there were, it was like very, very few. But it's something that was like 
a really scary moment for me was when the 35W bridge collapsed between St. Paul and Minneapolis. Yeah. That's like the only way you can get there. Mm-hmm. I was in driver's ed class when it collapsed and it was so, so scary. Um, it's, and you know what? I feel like I heard more about that and yeah. I wasn't even, you know, I wasn't in Minnesota or anything it was at the huge time. News. I heard more about that than I'm like, people are talking about this building collapse. It's not like they're not like it's, it's getting some airtime, but it seems like for the gravity of what it is, and how senseless it is that we should be hearing like it should be everywhere. Yeah. And like I feel like and maybe it's also just because now I'm not on Instagram and Facebook. But this happened when I was. Yeah. And I, I feel like people would talk about it here or there or like I'd be listening to Daily Zeitgeist and they'd bring it up. But this is a massive tragedy, uh, senseless yeah. tragedy that I feel like why isn't this like dominating shit? You know, yeah. I don't know if we've become kind of desensitized in yeah. a way to this kind of tragedy, especially after the amount of death we've experienced in the past year with the COVID-19 pandemic. I don't know if that could be part of it, but yeah, I've noticed that too. You know, on my phone, I keep the, the news tab at the very top, which kind of like cycles through. So I've been seeing a lot of headlines pop up that way, but yeah, on social media and things like that, I don't feel like I've been seeing as many pictures of victims or yeah I haven't seen I haven't seen any pictures of victims yeah I think maybe also part of it is just our we've been so inundated with a 24-hour news cycle which was not a thing when that bridge collapsed as much yeah and now I think we are just so kind of I hate to use this word but everyone will know what I mean we're kind of like addicted to to the next thing what's the next thing like we're always trying to like get the next thing yeah and I think and it, this is kind of drawn out, you know, they're yeah. taking, they're having to do this like recovery mission now. At first yeah. they were, you know, just trying to find as many people that were alive as they could and pull everyone out. But as of July 7th, uh, authorities say they're transitioning from a rescue mission to recovery and that the missing victims are presumably dead. Well, how long has it been? I mean, like it's a couple, been a couple weeks? It's the 24th to, yeah, like two and a half weeks. Is yeah. that right? Yeah. Ugh. I mean, luckily, the portions of the building that were not as collapsed, uh, most people were able to be rescued and gotten out, you know, in the rubble and things like that, which is great. But the people that were in the portion of this complex where it collapsed, very, very few survived. Yeah. Um, it's thought that the cause of the collapse was due to a long-term degradation of reinforced concrete support structures in the underground parking garage due to water penetration and corrosion of the reinforcing steel. So that's a lot of words. Um, but I'm picturing, you know, all of the things, like the parking garage is probably at the very, very bottom. That's your base structure. And if there's like water getting in, that's leaking, and it's weakening that structure, and it's weakening the steel slowly but surely this building is going to fall apart and I guess there was a report back in 2018 that pointed this problem out and that's what three I had to do the math three years ago Mm -hmm. they were like hey this is a problem and this needs to be fixed and it's been noted now that it was quote much worse well obviously you let it go for three more years well yeah yeah and I believe I think I said this on a past episode and I haven't done again I haven't done a ton of reading about this but I believe I did read that like they fired those people like the people who were like hey this is gonna be a problem like you need to take care of this problem they were like okay 
you don't have a job anymore, basically, because they were like, they don't want to hear it. They don't want to have to deal with it. Yeah. And they, I think they said like, oh, we were dealing with it or whatever, but. Yeah, there was like supposedly this $15 million program to rebuild and it was approved, but like no work had been done yet. So it sounds like they were just really dragging their feet, not wanting to get this thing done. So. Yeah, I don't, I don't know about all the specifics of that. It wouldn't surprise me if somebody was kind of being like, hey, we got to fix this. And they were seeming annoying that they would just kick them off. The well, because we live in or whatever. we live in a capitalist society yeah. and like it's about making money. Anything that breaks into like your profit margins, which like this, you know, would have. Yeah, but it's going to get so much worse because there's a resident already that filed a lawsuit against the Champlain South Condominium Association on the day of the collapse seeking $5 million in damages. And that's probably going to happen with a lot of people. Tip of the iceberg, yeah. Yeah, I think they said, I I didn't write this down, but I think they said with the lawsuit that they're not going to do like a bunch of personal lawsuits. I think what's probably going to happen is like they come together um, as a group of, you know, survivors and things like that and try to get something from this condominium association. Um, So as we discussed, the death toll is up to 95. Of those, 83 have been identified and 80 families of the deceased have been notified. Officials have identified three of the youngest victims this past Sunday, and they are Anna Sofia Pettengill Lopez Morea and her sister Alexia Maria, who were six and nine, they were both recovered on July 7th. They were the last two members of their family to be identified. Their younger brother, Luis Vicente, who was the youngest victim of the collapse, was also recovered earlier that day on July 7th. This family is interesting because their mother, Sophia, who I believe also perished, was the sister of Paraguay's first lady. I mean, I were there any survivors in this family? Uh, actually, here we go. No, there. Was, so in their condo was the mother, the father, the children, and their nanny, and they all perished. Oh my god! Yeah. So I mean, yeah. I mean, every tragedy is a tragedy, obviously. Yeah. But these kinds of things that wipe out entire families. Well, and like, I just think about it this way. I'm sitting in my home where I feel safe. I'm hanging out. Maybe I'm sleeping. Well, this is like 1 p.m. So let's say like we're having an afternoon snack or a late lunch and you're just going about your business everyday life. And then all or of you're a sudden, working from home because maybe you're not back in the office yet from, co- you know, like exactly. And it's like in an instant, an entire family is wiped out. Like you're just going about your day. You're not doing anything dangerous. You're in your home where you should feel safe. And everybody's gone. That shit is the most wild shit to me. Like, that's always the thing that I talk to Anthony about. Like, I talked to him about it whenever, you know, Kobe died. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. I was just like, imagine just you wake up one morning. It's a normal morning. And you are dead. Like, the entire family gone gone by noon, you know? And, like, that is just the the craziest thing to wrap your head around yeah. that that's something that could happen could happen to any one of us at I, any time nobody is safe you know nobody is safe the thing to me is like being in your home and like whenever there's like a crime in someone's home I feel the same way it's like where you're supposed to feel safest and yeah. most secure I heard a story the other day about a guy who had like a 
some sort of like electrical thing burst in his home and like the whole thing was like on fire and he had like third degree burns over 80% of his body and like he was just watching a movie with his girlfriend and then all of a sudden just whoosh, he's on fire. Like that kind of stuff is terrifying to me. Yeah. Four other children between the ages of four and 11 have been identified over the last few weeks, including sisters Emma and Lucia. I never noticed. I have a friend, Lucia, and I don't know if it's Lucia or Lucia, so I'll say both. So. There's also Lucia. <laughs> Lu- Lucia. It's pronounced several different ways. Yeah. Emma and Lucia Guara, who were four and 11, and they were buried in the same casket last week. Awful. Awful. Absolutely awful. So recovery and I'm sure more lawsuits are still underway. They are still trying to find and identify every person that should have been there and figure out what happens to everybody. And it's it's bad. It's really, really sad. Yeah. Yeah. That's devastating. Yeah. Well, uh, I have something that's similarly devastating, but you know what? Let's put that on hold for later. That one will keep. You yeah. Know? Uh, this is not good either, but it's going to be probably a lot of me ranting. So go for uh, it. I love that. <laughs> U.S. COVID-19 cases mm. have doubled in recent weeks. Y'all listen. I know that most of the people who listen to the show, y'all are y'all are smart, right? I would guess that probably most of you are vaccinated. Yeah. And if you're not, you probably have a really good reason. Yeah, I feel like especially for like younger kids are just starting to get vaccinated. Like there was a young girl that came into work that was checking out today that said that she just got her second shot yesterday and she had her mask on and everything like that. And I'm like, oh my gosh, yeah, there's a whole group of people now that are just starting to go mm-hmm. through that process. Yeah, which I, look, so no judgment on yeah, that front. No. I understand there are also people who have illnesses, right? Like who can't get the vaccine. Like there's there's reasons. Like I understand it. Yeah, my friend Lauren can't get vaccinated. I I get it. I mean, there are reasons. Like yeah, which is sucks. why the rest of us are supposed to get vaccinated. That's exactly. the point. You know yeah, what I mean? Yeah, yeah. Is that there are like vulnerable people, right? Um who don't have a choice in the matter. So the US is averaging more than 23,000 new cases a day double the seven-day average of around 11,300 cases three weeks ago. So we oh are my doubling the week average in a day right now. Like, that's what's happening. And it's due to the new highly transmissible highly transmissible Delta variant uh, of the disease. According to the CDC, nearly all recent COVID-19 cases and deaths are among unvaccinated people. So... Not surprisingly, states like Texas and Missouri that have low vaccination rates are being absolutely ravaged. So in my hometown of Springfield, Missouri. Of Springfield. Sorry, I was was going to like say something else. I'll say it over. Uh, No, don't say (laughs) it over. Please keep it in. I really like how you said it. In your home of Springfield, yes. Yes, in my hometown of Springfield, Missouri, I'm about to name and shame y'all. Nearly one third of the patients in the ER have contracted the Delta variant. So people who are going to the ER, which is where you go if you like accidentally stepped on a nail or, you know, like one third of the ER are people who have contracted the Delta variant. Oh, my gosh. Missouri at 39 percent has one of the lowest rates of full vaccination in the nation. And Greene County, where Springfield is, falls at around 34 percent. So this go around, what's different, this go around is a lot of things. The Delta variant is a far more aggressive 
which was bad before. <laughs> this yeah. is a, a more aggressive version. And because a lot of 65 and older people have now been vaccinated, what we are seeing is young people getting yeah. this, like being affected by this. Um, I have a friend here in California who is in the hospital right now as we speak with COVID. Um, oh my gosh. Are they vaccinated? No, because she's pregnant, which is very scary. <gasps> oh my and gosh. her doctor told her, which I'm not a doctor. Okay. So I don't know all the ins and outs of her medical history, right. but her doctor told her not to get vaccinated because she had a high risk pregnancy. And again, I don't know the ins and outs of her right, situation, exactly, yeah. but I have two of my best friends had babies recently yeah. and both of them they were prioritized yeah. on the vaccination list like they they got vaccines before any of us because they were pregnant because it was actually better for the mother yeah. to get the vaccine than to contract covid well, th while that's pregnant that's what i was going to say to me it seems like a higher risk for her to get covid and get sick and possibly hurt her unborn child yes. and get her ch unborn child sick rather than get the vaccine. I don't know. I, again, not a medical expert, don't know the medical history. But yeah, to me, it sounds like I would rather take my chances with the vaccine than take my chances and get sick with COVID because then God knows what's going to happen. Right. You know? Yeah, right. I mean, and that was my understanding as well with my friend Amy who got vaccinated. You know, of course, when you're pregnant, you ask all kinds of questions yeah. like, is this, is this okay? You know, is it, how is it going to affect the baby? And, um, her doctor told her like, it is better for you to be vaccinated because pregnant women are high risk and so susceptible to getting COVID. Right. Um, and can pass it on like through the umbilical cord can pass the disease exactly. on. Exactly. Anything so, that's, a, that's happening to you is going to happen to the thing that is attached to your umbilical cord. Yeah. You know what I mean? So, Everything is the same. It does not look fun for her right now. Oh she was texting gosh. me last night. She has pneumonia. Like, she can't breathe. Ugh. So... And is the is the baby okay? At the moment, I believe so, yeah. Oh my gosh. I can't even imagine. I would just be a complete wreck. Yeah. I would be a complete wreck. Yeah. Uh, so... Again, like it's young people who are getting getting this uh, and the Delta variant is 50% more infectious than the alpha mutation, which itself was 50% more contagious than the original COVID-19 that began, um, you know, to sweep across the country last year. Yeah. So, so vaccines or not vaccines, diseases can, they always mutate. Viruses yeah. mutate. They can mutate in a couple of different ways, right? They can mutate and stay kind of very similar or they can mutate and become less deadly or, yeah. you know, less infectious. This has mutated several times and it has always gotten more aggressive. Well, and that's like, exactly what they assumed would happen you know that there could be more and more variants they are going to become more and more aggressive I don't know how they knew that but I do remember Dr. Fauci talking about that in the beginning that that whole worry about what could happen and that's why you know we talked about it that's why even with the flu virus we get different flu vaccines every year they're a little bit different right and it's because it's they why mutate. it's why they tell you like even if you've had COVID to get the vaccine anyway because it could stop the spread of these variants. It could yeah. stop variants from being created like this. Yeah. Um, so experts' long-term fear is that the more it goes unchecked, infecting people at its accelerated rate, the greater the chance that it will 
mutate into something worse, um, yeah. which we might not, even those of us who are vaccinated. That's what I was going to say, that if it, if it mutates to something different enough and bad enough that even us being vaccinated won't be protected from it. Because that's my biggest concern is I'm always checking, like, am I still protected? Am I still protected? Right. Okay, and we yes, are. Right now I am. From the Delta variant, yeah. we are. But if it, if it mutates again, um, you know, there was an expert who was basically saying it's a race against time because if this mutates into something that the vaccine doesn't cover we will have to basically like reformat the vaccine yeah. which was going to take time right and isn't it so i don't mean to cut you off here but oh, isn't no, you're it good. so wild to be like living this vaccinated life and to kind of feel like in a lot of ways our lives are back to normal like i haven't been wearing a mask at work everything seems to be just kind of like slowly going back to quote-unquote normal you know pre-covid yet there are still so many places and people where it's such a huge part of their lives that it just seems crazy to me because it, it isn't as big of a part of my life now as it was a couple months ago well and it's you know not I mean? the thing is i'm getting ready to go to yeah. springfield next week i can guarantee you nobody is wearing masks there even with the low vaccination rates i can guarantee you no one is and the only people whose lives this is really affecting are the people who get sick, their families and healthcare workers, healthcare workers in this article I read, which was specifically talking to people in Springfield, like healthcare workers in the hospitals there. um, They're burnt out. They're devastated. They're fucking pissed, right? Because they're like, why are we in this situation again? And it's really hard too, because yeah, I feel the same way. Like I wore a mask today whenever I ran to the grocery store, but in general, yeah, I'm going out again. I'm seeing people again in a a lot of ways. It does feel like our lives are, are going back to normal, but I do personally know people who I love who aren't vaccinated. So I could contract something. And while I might be in large part protected, I can still pass it on. That's my concern in going into a place that's largely unvaccinated. I'm not worried about myself. I'm vaccinated. Exactly. But then it's also like, and I don't mean for the sound callous, but it's also like that's kind of your own choice at this point, unless you are medically unable to get the vaccine, which in that case, you should be wearing a mask. You should be socially distancing yourself from people. But that sucks for those people. It sucks for those people who cannot. That's on you. Yeah, it sucks for the people who cannot get vaccinated for medical reasons or children or whoever else it sucks for them that they're going to have to continue to stay in or modify their lives because of selfish people who are refusing to to get the vaccine and and continuing their lives as normal right yeah and that and that's the thing is like I feel horribly that these people are sick and that we're going through all this but at the same time it's like we've given you the out. Yeah. We've given you the best out to end this whole thing and to have your lives start to go back to normal. And if you've decided not to do that, well, you've and made the bed. You got to lay in and it. And it's Sorry. for such a dumb reason, too, because it's like, yeah, there are people who are anti-vax, right? And we knew that that percentage of the population existed. We could have anticipated this from them. But the truth is that a lot of this has to do with it's become a politicized culture war issue. Exactly. It's not even like everybody who's refusing to get the vaccine right now is anti-vax. Yeah. It's just that they have, they are so entrenched in their side that they're not getting the vaccine because that's not what their side does. You right. Know what because I mean? Joe Biden is telling them to get vaccinated. They're like, no, we're not going to get vaccinated. It's, that kind of thing. It's to the point where... At CPAC in Texas, which is, again, another state with very low vaccination rates. Right. um, The crowd actually cheered 
when an anti-vaccine reporter, in quotes, journalist, truth seeker, as he would have you believe, um, he spoke at the conference and he mentioned like as like a go you, you guys are doing great, mentioned their low vaccination rates in Texas and the crowd cheered. It is wild to me. Yeah, that that's a way of thinking that I don't understand. I can't I can't get there. I don't understand how that could be an exciting thing. It, because you fully bought into this lie, right? Yeah. Like you fully bought that like you are right, they're wrong. I mean, again, I'm not well, going to y'all are the ones who are still dying. So. I'm not going to call out my family members, but I still get messages like saying that like there are, people are dying from the vaccine and like the vaccine's what you should be worried about or there's nothing worthwhile in it. Like it's it's in, terrifying. It's, it's just it's mind boggling. We're living yeah. in separate realities. And unfortunately, it's it's going to affect all of us. And that yeah. should scare everybody because none of us want to go back inside. Okay? No, we don't. We want. Keegan is literally like <laughs> pulling the skin on her I, face like we don't want to go inside. I can't handle it. I yeah. cannot. I can't deal. You no, guys. I, I mentally cannot go through another pandemic. I'll be gone. I'm sorry. Like, I don't think that I have the mental strength, especially right now. To go yeah. through it again. Can't yeah. do it. Sorry. So please, please. I, I've, I'm i trying with the people in my life. Please try with the people in your life. I know it might be futile. Like, I know that it's not your responsibility at the end of the day. Like, you can only do what you can do. But, yeah. like, for the sake of everyone, like, we got to get this shit under control. Or we're going to have another, like, winter. Oh, <laughs> uh, God. Well, do you want me to cheer you up a little bit? Yes, please. Okay. So the nominations for the Emmy Awards came out. Woohoo! Yeah! And MJ Rodriguez became the first trans woman up for a major acting Emmy. Very exciting. I love it. Um, I wrote the first thing in my notes. The category is trailblazers. Oh, wow. (laughs) So... She is nominated in the lead drama actress category for her portrayal as Blanca in FX's Pose. We've talked about Pose a lot Mm -hmm. on this show. I know that you had friends that worked for the show. I'm obsessed with it. I was a little disappointed in the final season, but I love the series as a whole. And I loved, I love MJ Rodriguez. I'm so glad that she is getting this time to shine. And she told Variety Magazine, a moment like this extends and opens and elongates the possibilities of what's going to happen. And I believe the Academy is definitely making it possible and their eyes are more than open. Yes, I do believe they're going to continue. And I also feel like we're going to keep speaking and encouraging and informing and educating people around the world. I think that's the most important thing. So before MJ... Laverne Cox was the first trans actress to get a nomination as a guest star for her role on Orange is the New Black in 2014. And she has received nominations in that same category three other years. So this is the very first time that a trans actor, actress otherwise, has been nominated for this kind of award. Pose itself has been nominated for Outstanding Drama Series, and Billy Porter received his third nomination for Outstanding Lead Actor in a Drama Series. And there was one other thing that I wanted to mention, because I think that it's definitely something that I think needs to be thought about and needs to be figured out. There is an actor by the name of Asia Kate Dillon, who was also on Orange is the New Black, and she is on... Uh, oh, what's the show? I want to say it's like a Showtime show. I gotta look it up now. 
Billions. They're on the show Billions. Oh, okay. And they've talked about the fact that it's like, well, what do you nominate them for? They're a non-binary actor. Mm -hmm. Do you do the male category? Do you do the female category? There really is no space for non-binary performers right now if we keep splitting it by gender by gender yeah Mm -hmm. so while I'm like so excited that a trans woman is getting this kind of acknowledgement as a female actress Mm -hmm. um, and getting that validation as well as you know not just for her own identity but for her the work that she's done and the amazing performances she's made where is that leaving the many 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 non-binary performers that are possibly like this show billions has been on for a while. Asia Kate Dillon has been like a huge part of that has gotten lots of applause for their role in that. But how would they be nominated? Right. I mean, it's becoming more of a thing in general. Like I know when Netflix announced the cast for um, Sandman, there is a non-binary actor on that show as well. And they listed the pronouns for everyone whenever they, whenever they posted that, which I thought was a really cool thing to do. Yeah. But it does bring up a good point. And I know that there have been people who have been advocating for a long time to do away with the actor, actress categories and just have one category, which I understand. However, my concern with that is, I don't know. Maybe this isn't even really like a concern. It's like first world problems. Like it's like, oh, but there will be less awards, right? If you do that, because it's going to cut the number of categories in half, essentially. Right. And you can have more people in each category. Like you can have the same number of people per category. But at the end of the day, there's still only one winner per category. So that's going to cut down the number of awards given out. Totally. And my, my other concern, too, is like if you're putting everybody together, you know, the Academy and a lot of these, you know, old white men that are in these organizations mm-hmm. are very stuck in a patriarchal yep. mindset. I think less women will win. Less I think women less will win. non-binary people, binary people will win. Right, exactly. So if we're going to put, you know, Laura Dern and... Um, Gary Oldman and in the Gary same Oldman category. In the same category. Gary Oldman is probably going to get it. Just right. because, you know what I mean? And, and, and that's what's frustrating that if you were to throw non-binary performers and they're they're going to be pushed even further to the bottom of the list right like it's I, I see it's such a difficult issue because that's always the way I felt about it like I understood people were advocating for like we shouldn't split it up by gender anymore like it's so antiquated and I'm like it is however it's been such a journey to get to this point where we can have recognition yeah for everybody that if I just fear, same as you, like we cutting have, the number of awards that are given out. Right. Well, because know. we haven't reached that level of equality where all nominations are going to be treated equally. Yeah. That's just not how it works. Like there is bias involved with all of this. Yeah. You know what I mean? And if there isn't going to be a set equality, even when there are these separate, you know, gendered categories how would we expect there to be any sort of success if they're all lumped together? So yes, in a perfect world, if it's going to be treated incredibly fairly and just based on performance and no one is going to be biased about their opinion of who should win, then yes, 
it's By impossible. all means, let's bring everyone together. It's impossible, let, though. I exactly. Mean, like, it's, it's impossible right as it is now. I mean, yeah. like, it's it's still so hard. Like, the Emmy nominations were far more diverse this year than I've seen in past years. Oh, but, my like, gosh, yeah. It's still so hard yeah. to have an Oscar season where all of the people sweeping the top categories aren't white. Yeah. You know what I mean? So I'm like, it, I I don't know. It's it's so difficult. But yeah, that is something that absolutely needs to be remedied. And yeah. I don't know what the answer is. Yeah, I have no idea. Because then at the same time, it's like, what are you going to, you're not going to create a whole separate, there's right. no way anyone's going to create a separate category for the non-binary performers, although that would be great. I can't see anybody in authority making that happen right now. Not not right now because it would be the same, unfortunately, because there isn't enough representation yeah. in in the industry right now, it would be the same five non-binary actors represented yeah. over and over. Yeah, but at the same time, the more... Visibility. The more visibility, the more people are coming out as non-binary or being on the gender spectrum. Hopefully, you know, maybe uh, there's got to be more actors that mm-hmm. are already 100%. out there that are probably already there. You know what I mean? That's the thing. Right. Like, statistically speaking, it's like we need more people to come out and make themselves visible that are in those places of power and visibility well, that can possibly help yeah, change I mean, happen. I, I think the issue is that most, and we know how hard it is to get cast in this yeah. industry. And probably there are, I'm absolutely sure, so many non-binary actors out here who are amazing auditioning for roles every day. Yeah. But they're not getting cast. Exactly. Right? Like, because that's the nature of this fucking industry. But that's why it's going to take somebody who's already established, who already has a voice where they are... You know, if if they could just come out and be themselves, I think that that would open the door for a lot of other performers to do the same. I've seen it in the music industry a lot more. You know, Demi Lovato, Halsey, all of these people where I feel like because there are these already well-established people that are coming out, that possibly that can help create more change than someone who's like coming up in the industry that's had a few roles or that's you know, isn't as popular in the music industry. I think it really, it does take somebody who already has notoriety that could possibly move the needle a little bit. Sure. You know? Yeah. Because it mean, would be hard for someone like you and I to make that kind of a change. You right. Know? Yeah. I mean, it's happening and we're seeing it happen, um, but it's happening very slowly, which is kind of how this, how it, anytime it, anytime something like this happens and like barriers are being broken, it happens slowly over time. But, I think as time goes on, we need to get over that already. Like we need to just like when we realize there's a problem, we need to find a way to fix the problem. Like yeah. it can't just be this incremental, gradual change like to yeah, progress. Yeah, you have to pay you your know? dues or whatever, you know? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like, no, there's an issue. Like let's figure out how to fix the issue. I don't know how to do it. Luckily, luckily it's not my job to figure exactly. that out. Exactly. Um, but somebody should figure it out. Yeah, it's somebody's job. So. Somebody has that job. <laughs> well, and today we are recording on Wednesday, July 14th. And today is non-binary awareness day visibility day one of those things so we're kind of on brand with our topic i believe this week is all about like non-binary visibility and things like that i'm saying week tentatively because i don't know if it's like a month-long thing or what's going on but i know i've been seeing it a lot online but it's Um, happening it's happening whatever it is it's happening and we're gonna talk about it the end (laughs) (laughs) all right is that all we got for the day? Yeah. It's so weird that I can't see I can't see the timer on the computer right now. So I'm like, have we done a whole episode? Did we do did we, we did, do the we thing? did it. 
We did the thing? We did the thing. Wonderful. All right, everybody, if there's anything that you would like for us to talk about in our news episode next week, please go ahead and email us at neighborhoodfeminist at gmail.com or direct message us on Instagram at Angry Neighborhood Feminist. We have a Facebook business and group page. You can go ahead and like and review us on the business page and chat with the other listeners on the group page. And if you want to show us the most love, you're going to hop on over to your Apple Podcast app, leave us a five-star review, and write a quick sentence about why you love us. I was actually looking at old reviews the other day to look and see if we had any new ones. And I feel like a lot of podcasts have like, literally like a sentence and the stars Mm -hmm. our listeners write like paragraphs i love to see it but i'm like that's so on brand for us i love it like they can't just say a few things like we can't just say a few things it's got to be like a whole novel of feelings and i'm like i get that. those are my favorite exactly me too they're so much fun so if you haven't left us a review we would greatly greatly appreciate it and you will be featured on our instagram for reviews day tuesday That's all we got for you today. With all that being said, we encourage you to To rage on. Bye. Hey, Jenny, have you um, ever heard of a vampire slayer? Do you mean the one girl in all the world with the strength and skill to fight the vampires, demons, and forces of darkness? I do. Oh, yeah. I've heard of her. Cool. My name is Jenny Owen Youngs. And I'm Kristen Russo. And together, we spent six years watching every episode of Buffy the Vampire Slayer, one at a time, podcasting about each and every one. Never seen Buffy before? We will protect you. Our podcast is spoiler-free, so first-time viewers can listen along safely. Ever thought to yourself, I wish someone was brave enough to write an original song for every single episode of Buffy? <laughs> Your search is at an end, my friend, because we did exactly that. So if you've never watched Buffy or if you're about to watch the series for the 14th time, come over and join us. Our podcast is called Buffering the Vampire Slayer, and you can learn more about it at BufferingCast.com. Listen wherever you get your podcasts.